0: Central Christian Church, it is so neat to be able to be with you, even if it's just by camera. I look forward to seeing so many of you face-to-face at the 1030 service, but if you're watching me now, and I hope there are at least two or three, I'm sure excited to be able to share with you. I'm Jim Jessup. I'm at William Jessup University. I'm filming in our little studio here with an audience of one who is God and my film my film uh, maker uh, right behind the camera there, who I appreciate very much. Um... I'm just so appreciative of you guys as Central Christian Church. Uh, You realize you were the church that got San Jose Bible College started. And some of you uh, may not even know the story. So just quickly, in 1939, when my grandfather started, San Jose Bible College. First, he started Central Christian Church, and you have since 1939 been our partners, and we so appreciate you. So appreciate you. Well, uh, just to show you a quick uh, picture uh, of our students on the campus, here are st- our daytime students, and those are here in Rockland. I sent a picture to you uh, that uh, Pastor Tim might have on his desk there somewhere, or the missions team has, and I'd love for you to see that again sometime. But also, By the way, your name hangs in our chapel entry. And uh, there's a plaque. Now don't be too impressed, because there's 133 of those hanging in the uh, chapel entry. But isn't that awesome? There's 133 partner churches that now support William Jessup University. And you realize that right Across town from you at Santana Row is our extension site. And, um, there are some wonderful things happening at that extension site. And in fact, one of the, one of the most powerful programs is the Masters in Counseling Psychology. And I'd love to have you check that out. There are other face-to-face programs happening there. There are other programs happening online. We are at about 1,800 students now. And so God is really doing a great work. And for which we are so grateful that you are still our number one supporting church. And we love you guys. Thank you for standing with us. Well, as the director of church Relations, as many of you know, I, I get to go around and preach at many of our partner churches, and I'm just so thrilled to be able to share with you today. Pastor Tim, whom I love so much, him and Tiff, Tiffany, the opportunity to get to know them and their leadership there at Central, so appreciate that they're carrying on the legacy of that church. Um, but he's challenged me with a verse in giving me Acts chapter one, verse eight, as we're in our missions month. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's a popular verse. You've probably heard it before. But let's look at this verse with this in mind that God has a plan. We have a purpose. And then we have a response to this message today. God has a plan. We have a purpose. And then I'm going to ask you what your response is today. You see what his plan is? He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's his plan to give you the Holy Spirit. When you accept Christ into your life, when you accept Christ into your heart, it is the Holy Spirit that would dwell within you. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Revelation 3.20. I stand at the door and knock. That is the door of your heart. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and be with him. That's the Holy Spirit to come and live within you. That the Holy Spirit would indwell in your life. You will receive power, he tells his disciples. He tells us the apostles, of which we are now the apostles, sent on a mission. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So when he comes into your life, the power that you will receive will allow you to do the next thing. Your purpose. And your purpose is this, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth he 's speaking to us that you will be my witnesses in, Jeru- in in San Jose and Santa Clara County and the counties that border the Santa Clara County and into the ends of the earth and Central Christian, you have done such a great job over your many years of ministry over eighty two eighty three years of ministry you've done such a wonderful job of being witnesses but it's it 's our turn as People who have gone before have passed the torch to us. It's now our turn to share this light with a dark world. Well, God's plan gives us our purpose, but then we have a response. And I want to challenge you with four quick stories this morning. Four quick stories right out of scripture that illustrate how we might respond, how I know I have responded to God's plan and God's purpose for my life. And the first is this, that you may have run from God. Yeah, you may have run from God. I know I've done that. And you know who ran from God? Well, it was Jonah. What a fantastic story in Scripture. When Jonah, it says in the book of Jonah, and you can check up on me if you'd like. These are great stories. If you've not read them recently or watched Veggie Tales, check up on me because Jonah, what a great story. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. Did he hear God's voice? Did someone come to him? Did he hear it in his heart? Jonah, go to Nineveh. You realize Nineveh was a real place. It still is a real place, an archeological historical site in Northern Iraq. ISIS has destroyed much of it. Uh, It's a real place, but back when it was inhabited, Jonah was sent to Nineveh, but he didn't want to go. He didn't even like the Ninevites he got on a boat and he went to the, to, to, towards Tarshish. He went the other direction. We don't actually know where Tarshish was, but we know he was running from God. Well, you know the story, he, the, 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 the waves come up and, and, and the, the sailors, they're afraid for their life. Jonah admits, I'm probably the problem. You're gonna have to throw me over, they throw him over. And a big old fish comes along and swallows up old Jonah. And I believe in that story. I believe there's a creator God that he can create a fish that would catch enough air as he swallows up old Jonah to take him on a ride to teach him a lesson. And I believe, I believe that Jonah learned his lesson as he was in the belly of that fish, breathing, keeping his head above the water in the belly of that fish, saying, you know what? I should have gone to Nineveh. I should have gone to Nineveh. And how many times in your life, how many times have you said to yourself, I should have done this. I should have listened to God here. I should have done that. You know what? But the truth is, we're all guilty of this, and I have run from God. God has a plan, and He has a purpose. The question is, what is our response? Will you run? Number two, here's what you might do. You might simply doubt. You might doubt that it's really God talking to you. You might doubt that when you see that person hurting, and you feel inside like, I should probably say something to them. I I should probably... I should probably stop. When you feel that voice, you hear that voice in your head or in your heart that maybe I should tell this person this or maybe I should say something here. We doubt, don't we? We doubt that it's really God. You know who doubted? Man, it was Moses. Moses sees a burning bush in Exodus three and four. He sees this bush burning off to the side and he thinks this is odd. He goes over to this burning bush. And there he is talking to a bush. Can you imagine? I think I'd be looking around for a camera. This is candid camera. Somebody's filming me, trying to punk me. He's talking to this bush. And the bush is saying to him, Moses, I've heard my people cry out. Go and free them from the hand of Pharaoh. Wow, that's a big... Big task. I mean, if I heard that from God, I think I'd be questioning it too. I'd be doubting, is that really what God wants me to do? And Moses, what does he do? He says to God, God, what if the people, what if the people don't really believe that I'm the one to lead them out of the hand of Pharaoh? God says, Moses, you tell them, the I am has sent you. What a powerful statement. The I am. That God was and is and will be. It wasn't bad grammar. It was talking about who God was and is and is yet to be. And I think Moses, he says, wow, okay, God, but what if Pharaoh doesn't believe me? Moses, what's in your hand? Well, it was a staff. And and probably you know the story, right? You've seen Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments. He throws down the, the staff. It becomes a serpent. Moses, put your hand inside your cloak. Pull it out. It becomes white with leprosy. Moses, pour water on the ground and it becomes blood. Moses, you show these things to Pharaoh. He gives Moses what he needs. And yet Moses doubts. And how much has God given to you? And yet you doubt. I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that, seeing the need, seeing the opportunity and doubting that God would be with me and what patience God has with Moses. So you know what? You might run. You might doubt. Here's another thing you might do. You might test. And you know, there's some of you maybe watching this right now and you've been testing God all of your life. God, if you'd make this happen, I'd believe in you. God, if that hadn't happened, I could have believed in you. God, why did I lose this person I love? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? And you test God with these, these scenarios that you believe he should do the way you think he should do them. And you know who did that? It was Gideon. Judges 6 and 7. Oh, you ought to read up on the story on this one. By the way, that's a good Veggie Tales one, too. That's a great, great cartoon. And it's biblically accurate. Gideon. Gideon is approached by an angel because the Midianites, 120,000 of them, are ready to besiege Israel. They're gonna take away all of their crops. They're gonna take away their their livestock. They're gonna ransack their land. And they had done it many times. And God says to Gideon through this angel, I have heard the cries of my people. And Gideon, you're gonna go defeat the Midianites. And Gideon says, oh, me, I'm of the smallest in my tribe. I'm I'm the littlest in my clan. But if this is really of God, I'm I'm gonna set up this altar. And if God is pleased with this sacrifice, I uh, know it's of him. And then angel says, okay. And Gideon sets up this whole sacrifice. He's got this the, the meat and, the, and there's broth poured all over the meat. And the angel says, you done? And Gideon says, yeah, I'm done. And he touches the rock and fire comes out of the rock and down from heaven. It consumes the sacrifice and it's gone. And in that instant, the angel is gone too. And I think to myself, that's all I would really need. I think, you know, if if God did that for me, I would say, God, I'm with you. Let's do this. I don't know how we'll defeat 120,000 Midianites, but God, with you on my side, let's go do it. And Gideon has the gall, like many of us do, and I know I'm talking to you, you have the gall to actually say to God, God, I need something else. And Gideon says, I'm going to put this fleece on the ground, and God, would you make the fleece wet and the ground dry? And I think, I think, God why did you put up with him? Why, God, would you actually have the patience with Gideon to, to, to perform this magic trick? You realize Gideon was asking the creator of the universe to do a magic trick. And God has patience with him like he has patience with you and with me. And he says, okay, Gideon, put, put down the fleece. And getting gets up, up the next morning and he walks across the dry ground and he gets to the fleece and it says that when he picks it up, it wrings out buckets of water. And can you believe, those of you who know the story, you're, you're giggling inside, I know right now, if you don't know it, here's what he says. God, this is great, but now would you make the fleece dry and the ground wet? And I think to myself, wow, the patience God has and the gall, the audacity, of Gideon to say that to the creator of the universe. Would you now do this other magic trick just to make sure? And he just keeps testing God. Gideon gets up the next morning, walks across a bunch of mud, gets to the the fleece, and it is bone dry. And finally says to God, God, I'm with you. Let's go do this. I I just have to quickly finish this story because if you haven't heard this story and maybe you won't take the time to read it, do you understand then that God then tests Gideon? Oh, it's awesome. God tests Gideon because Gideon assembles 32,000 men and God says, Gideon, you have too many men. Isn't that awesome? I love that. But I could just see Gideon, Gideon saying, God, you don't understand. There's like, they're like the grains of sand, the Midianites. There are so many of them. I have 32,000 men. Gideon, tell them if they're afraid, they can go home. That is not good battle strategy. Tell them if they're afraid, but God, Gideon, tell them if they're afraid, they can go home. And I just, I kind of think God is almost giggling a little bit inside saying, Gideon, you don't understand how you are not going to do this by your power. You're going to do this by mine. And I am going to show you. And I am going to raise your level of faith. I'm going to raise your level of trust. Gideon, tell them if they're afraid, they can go home. 30 some thousand. Let's see, how many was it? 22,000 go home. He's left with 10,000 men. And I bet you Gideon is thinking, oh, this is terrible. And God says, Gideon, you have too many. And you know the story? Some of them, they take them to the water. Those Gideon who drink like this, put them over here. Those who stick their face in the water, put them over there. 9,700 stuck their face in the water. 300 went like this. And God says, you're going into battle with the 300. And they would surround the Midianite army. Each separated by many yards around the valley, up in the mountains, holding a torch, a clay pot, and a bugle. And in the darkness, they break the clay pot, they blow the bugle, they hold up their torch, and the Midianites come out of their tents, and there's no PG&E, they can't flip on lights, there's no flashlights, it's dark, and they're bumping into each other, and all they see are 300 armies, led by by their torches. That's what they see, and they panic and they begin to kill each other. I just think, what if God what if Gideon had just taken from God what God had given him to begin with? the gifts and skills that he had to go into battle? What if Moses had just listened to God from the beginning and not doubted? What if Jonah had just gone and preached to the Ninevites like God wanted him to do? You see. Too many of us, we're running, we're doubting, and we're testing God. God has a plan. He has a purpose. The question is, what is your response today? The plan that you have the Holy Spirit living within you to give you the power to be his witnesses. In your Jerusalem, San Jose. In your Judea. Santa Clara County as you go to work and play and and whatever it is that you're going to go and do in life and to the surrounding counties as many of you commute and you travel around and you have family and friends and to the uttermost parts of the world to be his witnesses. What is your response? Do you run? Do you doubt? Do you test? You know, there was a student who came here about 15 years ago. His name was Tom. He was in my spiritual formation group And I didn't know it, but he was really coming to the college to seek out, is God real? He wasn't a Christian yet. In fact, he was quite antagonistic against Christians, and yet he came to a college where our sign says, William Jessup University, Christ-centered higher education. And here was this young man, Tom, in my men's spiritual formation group about 15 years ago. He's sitting in this group, and I just sense from him the antagonistic questions about God, and whether there really is a God, and who is this Jesus, and the other young men in the group, I could sense in their hearts, they're thinking, what is wrong with this guy? What's going on? And after the group one time, some of the other young men came to me and they go, what are we going to do with Tom? And I said, guys, he's your mission field. And they began to love on him. They began to work with him. We began to answer the questions that he came with about who God was. And by the end of that year, he got baptized, accepting Christ as his Lord and Savior, accepting the Holy Spirit into his life. But what he had done, he had been running from God. And he accepted that. He believed in it. I've been running from God. And I need to change. I need to stop running. And about four years ago, I was at a church in Folsom. And when I walked in the doors of that church, who would greet me but Tom. He's now an elder at the church in Folsom. And he's got his doctorate in psychology and he's helping people work through their issues through the grace of God. But he ran from God. There's another young lady who just recently uh, graduated with, her name is Harpreet. And Harpreet came to this school. She believed that you just, what you need to do is be a good person. Because you see, she grew up in a Sikh family in Yuba City. Her family were Sikhs. And and if you don't know of that faith, it's just about being good to those around you. And that by being a good person, you will enter into heaven someday, whatever heaven looks like. And she came to understand there was a Jesus who died for her. Because even though she was here in our science program, she had Bible courses and Christian professors in the science program telling her that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And though she doubted that she needed anything but being a good person, she came to understand the truth that she needed Jesus Christ. Well, you can run, you can doubt, you can test. What I want to challenge you with as we wrap up this message, and I want to challenge you to simply make that decision to obey. To obey. You know, there's an old hymn that says, Trust and obey for there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Now, I want to tell you a story out of the Old Testament. In fact, I'm going to read the story to you because I, some of you may not even believe it's a true story. It's a story that very few ever talk about. Maybe you've never even read the story. And it's about a woman whom we don't even know her name. And yet, she shows remarkable obedience to God. And through that obedience, her faith grows. And her purpose. In God is fulfilled here's the story it's in 2nd Kings chapter 4 let me read it to you it starts like this the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cries out to Elisha your servant my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord but now his creditor is coming to take away my two boys as his slaves let me explain that really quick her husband just died She has people she owes money to. And in that culture, what you did was, when if you couldn't pay it off, you worked it off. And her sons would be good workers for the creditor. So they were going to take away her boys if she couldn't pay what she owed. Well, she couldn't pay it. So she knew, what do I do? So she goes to her husband's boss, who was Elisha, crying for help. What she wanted was money to pay off the creditors Elisha verse 2 says to her how can I help you tell me what do you have in your house Elisha says oh she says your servant has nothing there at all except a little oil if you read scripture it says a little oil Elisha says okay okay go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars ask all your neighbors it says for empty jars don't ask for just a few Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Now, (laughs) let's be rational. Let's be logical here together. Had I been that woman, and I was going to Elisha for help, you know the kind of help we're looking at, right? We're looking to go to Elisha. Elisha, I need some money. Please, would you give me a loan? Would you help me? I'm going to lose my sons. And Elisha says, what do you have? Because he wants to work with what she has. What has God given you? What has God given you? She says, all I have is a little bit of oil. All right, have your sons collect as many pots and jars as they can and go into your house, shut the door and fill all those pots and jars. It's not a logical thing. It's not rational. And I gotta be honest with you. I probably would have (laughs) said, Elisha, you're not listening. I I said, I have a little bit of oil. Why would I get a bunch of pots and jars? That doesn't make sense. And and could you imagine her sons? She goes home, she tells her two boys, let's say they're like junior high age, right? She tells her boys, sons, um, go get a bunch of pots and jars. What are they gonna say to mom? They're gonna say, why, right? That's what they would say. Mom, why do we need a bunch of pots and jars? Well, you see, we're gonna take our oil and we're gonna fill all those pots and jars. Her sons would be looking at her like, Oh, mom is flipped. You know, this is a real problem. Um, man, what are we going to do, buddy? I don't know. Mom, mom has flipped. We are not going to be able to show our face at Jerusalem Junior High again. You know, this is so embarrassing. Everybody knows we have nothing. And mom wants us to go get a bunch of pots and jars. Well, because they respect their mom, they go get all the pots and jars and they bring them into the house. Can you imagine what that had have been like? Now, you don't have to actually imagine. I kind of want to take you there. Will you go with me for just the next 10 minutes here? Okay, five minutes. Go with me. We're in this mud-walled, one-roomed house, thatched roof. And and, and maybe it has some sort of little wooden door to it, or or it's got this thatching that can open and close, you know, just to keep the animals out. We're in there, and your boys... The sons are leaning against the wall with all these pots and jars on the floor and they're just kind of sitting there thinking, this is really crazy. But mom reaches over and she grabs her little jar of oil. She grabs her jar of oil and she grabs one of her neighbor's jars and she pours her oil, okay? And she fills up her neighbor's jar and she sets her neighbor's jar aside, okay? And now I'm thinking... If, if she's thinking logically, if her sons are thinking logically and rationally, they're thinking, Mom, you didn't, you didn't get us anywhere, you just moved the oil, what does that do? Here's the cool part. In scripture it doesn't even say that she had some great faith throughout the years. It simply says she went and did it. Don't you know that when you're obedient to God, your trust in Him will increase? When you don't have the faith to do something that you feel God's calling you to do, maybe you just choose to do it because in doing it, your faith will increase. She picks up another neighbor's jar and she pours. And and how? How would she pour and fill a second one? Now don't get all wigged out. This is 27 bucks at the magic store. Okay? All right, hang with me. I'm trying to just take you into the story. But isn't that so awesome that now she has two where she had one? And I I bet her sons are like, Mom, what's going on? How, how, How did you do that? And I bet she's thinking, I don't know. I'm just doing what God told me to do through the prophet Elisha. And God is speaking to us through his word. God is speaking to you through his heart, through his mind, that you need to, if you don't have the trust in God today, if you don't have faith in him today, you need to simply obey what you know is right and do what he's calling you to do. And I believe you are rewarded for it. And your faith will grow. Don't you know her sons were coming over and they're wanting to do what you want to do right now. And that is, you want to look in this little pot. You want to say, how is that how is that happening? Yet yeah, don't get too fascinated with the pot, Okay. Hang with me because here's the the key thing. Don't you know that her sons, if their faith was marginal in God, if they weren't really sure about who this God was, that their trust and their faith was increased? Oh, man. Yeah, they were probably like, wow, this is amazing. And don't you know that the woman, that when we don't even know her name. But ladies who are listening to me, you noticed how many men screwed up in scripture? How many men messed up? And man, this, 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 this gal, she says to God, I'm just gonna go and do this. Elisha says, go and do it. God's gonna be with you to do this. And just go and pour those, those, and look, it just kept flowing and it kept flowing and it kept flowing and it filled up all the pots and jars. Now scripture says this, she left him and afterwards she shut the door. They, they brought her the jars. She kept pouring and pouring when all the jars were full. She said to her son, bring me another. He replied, there are no other jars left. And the oil stopped flowing. Wow. She went and told the man of God and he said, go and sell the oil, pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what's left. You realize what happened here? What if she had run from this whole idea? What if when Elisha said, go and collect all the pots and jars and go into your house and fill them, what if she had run from that idea and thought, that's that's just nuts, that's just crazy, I can't do that. She'd probably be running from those creditors who would track her down and take her sons away. What if she had just continued to doubt that that would work and she just thought, I'm just going to have to go to the city gate and beg. I'm going to have to go beg and I'll see if I can get my sons back soon. What if she she thought, why don't we just test God in this? And what if she went back and she told her sons, just go get two or three pots or jars. Just just, just get a couple, because I don't think this is going to work, but let's just try it out. Man, there are too many people, too many people who are just trying out Christianity. Not committing to it. And I just want to challenge you, brothers and sisters, Central Christian Church, I love you. And I know in this difficult time, It's so easy to run from what you know is true. It's so easy to run from the voice you hear from God in your heart or in your mind. It's so easy to doubt that maybe that's really God who's saying to you, yeah, stop and just smile at that person. Stop and just say, God bless you to that person. Stop and and see if your coworker needs help when they're looking so down. I mean, we're not talking about going to uh, the uttermost parts of the world. Maybe some of you are called to it, but maybe some of you are called to Be that witness simply by your love to your neighbor across the street. If you won't run, if you won't doubt, if you won't test, I want to challenge you that if you'd obey, when you know God is talking to you, His purpose or His plan, His plan, that the Holy Spirit would indwell in your life, His purpose, that you would be His witnesses, That is your mission in life. You are the light of the world. Let it shine. Your response is what is critical. How do you respond today? Do you run from him? Do you doubt him? Do you just continue to test him? Or do you obey his call? Well, when Justice Thurgood Marshall, when he stepped off the bench of the Supreme Court Justice, He had a line that I'll never forget. He was asked, Justice Thurgood, when people remember you, how do you want to be remembered? He thought for a minute and he said, you know, I just want to be remembered that I did all that I could with all that I had. And God has given you all that you need to do all that he's calling you to do. If you won't run or doubt or test, But if you would obey that call in your heart to follow after him, be his witnesses. Central Christian Church, I love you. God bless you. May you press on. May God make his face to shine upon you. And may he give you peace. Amen.